You're listening to Prevailing Word Ministries on the Prevailing Word Podcast channel. I'm Fred Rochester. Thanks for listening. Today's message is Thieves and Robbers. Let's get right into today's message. Please open up your Bibles to the book of John chapter 10, and we will begin at verse number 10. John chapter 10 and verse 10. And, uh, uh, excuse me, John chapter 10, verse one is where I want to start. That's where we should start. Uh, John chapter 10 and verse one. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. And so today we will discuss thieves and robbers. As I uh, begin to study the passage, I was still a bit confused about uh, certain aspects of the uh, of the scriptures. And uh, when you're reading uh, this passage of scripture, there are various things that the Lord Jesus have have said that really, uh, you know, put a puzzle in my mind. It's an enigma. And in, uh, in studying this out, I begin to see and understand that uh, Jesus was in quick fashion showing the various ways in which uh, this passage of Scripture is to be understood. And so um, uh, we'll read down a, a little bit further because when we get to verse 10, we all know verse 10, the thief comes not before to steal, to kill, and to destroy, but I am come that you may have a life and that you may have it more abundantly. We all uh, associate that verse of Scripture obviously with Satan, and that is true. There is, there is no question about that. There is no change in the interpretation of what Jesus meant in verse 10. But we also have to see it from the perspective of the thieves and robbers, that these are the individuals that come to steal, kill, and to destroy. So uh, we, we will see scripture along that line, which will be a comprehensive understanding of of, of of this passage. So now in verse two, we will read, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. And and, and I would liken this unto, excuse me, uh, parables uh, that when Jesus began to uh, teach parables, it's hard to understand unless you go back and and ask Jesus a question. Can you help us out here in terms of uh, understanding what you're saying? But now if we get into verse seven, we will see. Then Jesus said to them uh, again, most surely I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. So when I saw the word door of the sheep, I, I, I had to run back to verse two where it says, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. So if Jesus is the door of the sheep, and here we see enters by the door of the sheep, another confusing thing about this is verse three. 
to him, the doorkeeper opens. And, and I said, OK, I, this is this is really an enigma. I, I really got to got to uh, uh, ask the Holy Spirit for understanding in, in this particular area. And, and 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 what the Holy Spirit uh, uh, revealed to me was that these are two separate things that Jesus is talking about. And so uh, the porter or the doorkeeper opens to the shepherd and then the doorkeeper lets let the shepherd, the true shepherd or the good shepherd in. But the thieves and the robbers don't go to the doorkeeper. They don't go to the one that is standing guard to watch to see who would come in. So what thieves and robbers do, they go up or climb up some other way. So when you get down to uh, verse seven, this is just a, another illustration, not a connecting uh, um, uh, illustration in terms of understanding the passage. Th again, verse seven says, then Jesus said to them again, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers. Now, it could be said that Jesus is the the. The, the porter or the doorkeeper, as well as the door, as well as the good shepherd. Uh, it could be taken that way. I, I, I can't close the door conclusively that this is uh, uh, definitely speaking of two things entirely different uh, from from one another. But it could be. And, and so uh, uh, we can see here that that in this part of the explanation, Jesus said, most assuredly, I say uh, to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. That This word life is the Greek word zoe, Z-O-E. Uh, which is the uh, the, the life uh, that is that comes from God. So if we were to pull up the word and we will see the definition, it says uh, Zoe, Z-O-E, and it means life literally or figuratively. And then if we go down to the expounding of this definition, uh, number one, it says the state of one who is possessed of vitality or is animate. Every living soul, number two, life, of the absolute fullness of life, both essential and ethical, which belongs to God and through him, both to the uh, hypostatic logos and to Christ in whom the logos put on human nature. And then B, uh, and we won't go any further uh, uh, past B, life real and genuine, a life active and vigorous, devoted to God, blessed in the portion even in this world of those who put their trust in Christ. Uh, but after the resurrection, but after the resurrection uh, to be consummated by new ascensions among them, a more perfect body and to last forever. So. Uh, it is speaking of eternal life that comes from God. Life, all all life comes from God. When God breathed into Adam the breath of life, he breathed into Adam the very nature of, of God into Adam. And then Adam forfeited that nature by sinning against God. And now Jesus comes and tells us in John chapter 3 and verse 3, except the man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So uh, we have to be born again 
to that uh, state in which God uh, originally created us. So that's the eternal life that is abiding in us. That's the eternal life that we ought to have more abundantly. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. So if Jesus is the good shepherd, there are bad shepherds. The bad shepherds are the ones that uh, are thieves and robbers. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. In other words, he's in fear of his life because the wolf comes to tear up the remaining sheep. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. And the wolf obviously is Satan. <laughs> so so when you get to the uh, definition that the, the thief comes not before to steal, kill and to destroy, and then all of a sudden the wolf catches the sheep and that the thieves and robbers are also hirelings, now we begin to see a differentiation between uh, uh, what verse 10 speaks of and thieves and robbers. So, so, so now we're getting a clear understanding. Why? Because the wolf is the one that comes to destroy the sheep, to, to wreak havoc of the sheep. Now, in terms of thieves and robbers, these are the false prophets, false teachers, false apostles, false pastors. These are the individuals that, and false preachers, these are the individuals that, that rob and pillage the sheep. And, and we'll see a scripture along those lines, uh, along those lines in, in, a few, in a few moments. So in verse 14, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and am known by my own. As the father knows me, even so I know the father. I lay down my life for the sheep and other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, which is the Gentiles, meaning us, those that are not Jews, them also I must bring and they will hear my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. And this very interesting way he says that is one that they will be one flock and one shepherd. So the reference of the one flock and one shepherd is found in the book of Ephesians chapter two and verse 11. Therefore, uh, remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by what is called the uncircumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So now we see the all, all uh, encompassing work of the blood of Christ that cleanses not only the Jews, but it also cleanses the Gentiles, those that have repented of sin and placed faith on Christ alone. Verse 14, for he himself is our peace who has brought, who has made both one rather and has broken down the middle wall of separation. The middle wall of separation is the one that is between Jews and Gentiles. There is a wall that's between Jews and Gentiles and, and the blood of Jesus did away with that. The sacrificial offering of Jesus did away with that. Remember what Jesus said in the book of John chapter 10, which we, we just read a few moments ago that he said that I have sheep that are not of this foe. These also I must bring in. And so we, are the ones that are uh, separated from the Jews. We come into Christ. We're no longer separated. Again, verse uh, uh, the bottom portion of verse 14. 
and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, and this word enmity is hostility, or a reason for opposition, broken down this wall of opposition. Uh, 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 having again verse 15 having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances so as to create in himself one new man from from the two thus making peace so Jews and Gentiles in Christ are one some of us recall the story that uh, Paul had shared with uh, Peter about Peter that uh, there were individuals, the Judaizers, that came in and 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 desired to be separate from the Gentiles, and Paul had to confront uh, Peter about this. That we're now under grace, we're no longer separated, and, and we also see this in the book of Acts, chapter ten. Uh, Peter had the same problem, and, and so the Lord gave a a dream and a trance to to Peter. And it was it was brought down as a sheet and there were a whole lots of uh, foul uh, birds on there. And, and, and the Lord told him, rise, Peter, slay and eat. And then Peter said, I have not uh, ate anything that is called common or unclean. So this trance or this vision happened three times. And then uh, a knock on the door came in which Peter uh, uh, heard from the men that Cornelius was instructed by an angel to send for Peter so that way he can preach the gospel to these individuals that were Gentiles. So that's what we're seeing here in terms of understanding the fact that as far as Jews and Gentiles is concerned, that wall of separation no longer exists. So, uh, um, uh, so we see here that, uh, uh, here in, in, uh, um, uh, uh, the book of Ephesians chapter uh, 2 and verse uh, 16 we see here and uh, that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross through the cross thereby putting to death the enmity or the hostility and he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near for through him we both have access by one spirit to the father now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. So as far as the wall of separation is concerned, it no longer exists. So that's the uh, explanation of uh, verse 16 uh, of what Jesus said here. And I'll read that again in uh, the book of John chapter 10 and verse 16. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. So that's the explanation of that particular passage of Scripture. So now, uh, getting to thieves and robbers, thieves and robbers. Thieves and robbers come in some other way. In other words, they do not come in the front door which is the normal way. I mean, if you're the a shepherd, you go through the normal, normal way. You do not climb up some other way to get at the sheep. 
If you're uh, if you're not a shepherd, you're you're a thief and a robber. And they do this to avoid the right way. They climb up some other way, and that's why they do it deceptively. One of the things that you have to understand about thieves and robbers, if anybody was a thief or a robber, <laughs> if you stolen anything, then you're a thief, uh, uh, insignificant of his value, so you know how a thief operates. But they also operate deceptively or stealthily, if you will. And, and so uh, as far as thieves and robbers are concerned, these are the false prophets, the false apostles, false pastors, false teachers. These are the individuals that come in to pillage or to destroy the flock of God. So so here in the book of Jude, uh, uh, look at verse three. It says, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. In other words, fight for the doctrine of Christ. Fight for the doctrine of Christ. Stay in that fight. No matter who brings up false doctrine, don't give in. Fight them. They are to be exposed and they are to be fought against because there is only one reason why they come in, these thieves and robbers, and that is to pillage the body of Christ, to take advantage of them and to to steal, kill, and to destroy them. Verse four now says, for certain men have crept in unnoticed. And so that's what we mean by coming in deceptively. They come in some other way. And so uh, they they want to destroy the sheep. And that's uh, that's their mode of operandi, if you will, or mode of operation. These individuals have no uh, a goal except to steal, kill and to destroy God's people. And, and so whenever you're dealing with false doctrine and false teaching from false from false apostles, prophets, evangelists, uh, uh, false uh, pastors, false teachers and so forth, false preachers, evangelists and whether these individuals are false, their only goal is to take advantage of you. Again, verse four, for certain men have crept in unnoticed. In other words, nobody really paid attention to these individuals. They came in to settle in alongside, that is to lodge stealthily, creep in unawares, to enter secretly, slip in stealthily, to steal in. And that's what their job, that's what their job is. They come in like nobody, nobody really notices them or pay attention to them. Now, you can always tell these individuals that are always trying to come in and take advantage of the sheep. You can always tell these individuals first they come in and they seem like they're one of us. They seem like as if they are a, a part of the body of Christ and they're not. These individuals are, are stealthily bringing in great heresies to destroy and take advantage of the sheep. And that's why we, we're going to pull up uh, 1 John uh, chapter uh, 2 and, uh, and verse uh, 18 and 19. We've seen this before, and it's good to see it again because this is, this is what they do. Little children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, and even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that this is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. So they came in and it seemed like as if they were a part of us, but they weren't 
they really weren't a part of us. They weren't a part of the body of Christ. They weren't a part of the body of Christ in terms of true, genuine, authentic believers. These individuals came in with false doctrine to deceive the people. And so we got to be careful of these individuals because they're going to bring in destructive heresies. And these destructive heresies are designed to destroy you, uh, designed, first of all, to steal, kill, and to destroy you. And so that's why Jesus said what he said. He said, I am come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. And this eternal life is through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And the words that Jesus gives us, they are spirit and a life. The Bible tells us in the book of John, chapter six and verse 63. And so we got to be careful of these individuals that are false prophets who are thieves and robbers. Uh, look at here in first John chapter four and verse one, beloved, do not believe every spirit, just like what we share in the book of uh, Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 15, the simple believe every word, but the prudent considers well his steps. So here it ties in with first John chapter four and verse one. Beloved, do not believe every spirit. I mean, we go to places and I know that some people do go to places. They go outside and and they go uh, to these meetings and whatnot and they visit places and there's nothing wrong with that. A pastor should never have an ironclad control over people because we just don't control people. We warn people. We tell them to abstain from places where uh, we know that te people are teaching false doctrine and we warn you about these individuals and so uh our job is as a as a shepherd working for the uh, the good shepherd is to warn the sheep about certain individuals that come in with destructive heresies it sounds good it sounds like you want to just suck it all in and accept it but the bible tells us beloved believe not every spirit you got to have scruples about you you have you got to have scrutiny with you got you got to be skeptical uh, you you got to examine and you got to investigate these individuals if you don't have that mentality to investigate these individuals, you're going to be deceived. Just like the messages that we were preaching uh, uh, last week and in, 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 in the last three weeks, do not be deceived. So, so now we go back into uh, the reading of the scripture. Here. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God. Test the doctrines that people are teaching you, whether it comes from me or anybody else. Test the scriptures, test what they're teaching by studying the scriptures. And if you have a question, it's OK to ask. It's OK to say, wait a minute, I don't understand this. Could you please expound on this? And the and the definition has to resonate in your heart as true, because if it doesn't resonate in your heart, then you have every right to throw it in the trash. You got every right to say, you know what? I don't believe you. I don't I don't accept what you're saying. It doesn't make sense to me. I just can't accept that because it doesn't make sense and it, it's not true. It doesn't line up with scripture. So it's OK to say that it's OK to live by that. So, again, uh, uh, verse one, it says uh, the middle portion says many false prophets have gone out into the world. So, again, I want to reiterate uh, the fact that it says blood, believe not every spirit. And the first time I read this, I thought that it was talking about demon spirits. And although demon spirits do operate in false prophets. We got to understand that it is the false prophet that is standing in front of you under the direction of the false spirit or the unclean spirit that is working in their lives. 
So the false prophets is the subject here. Many false prophets have gone out into the world, which John spoke of in the in, in the passage of scripture that we read in first John chapter two, verses 18 and 19. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this, you know, the spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. So this was the test that John told them to use of these individuals that deny that Jesus came in the flesh. Uh, and so this is not going to work in terms of dealing with demon power when you're casting out devils and, and try to run this test uh, by those demon powers. That It doesn't work that way. This test is to be given to the false prophets that are coming in with false doctrine claiming that Jesus never came in the flesh. So John is telling them, this is how you test these false prophets. You ask them, did Jesus come in the flesh? And, and so John says, by this, you know that the uh, know the spirit of God, every spirit that confesses now spirit here is, of course, the false prophets that are under the direction of the demonic spirits. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. So every person has a spirit, right? Remember what it says in first Thessalonians chapter five and verse 21, uh, where, where it says that I pray God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord. So this, this uh, word spirit is speaking of everyone's spirit, man. Uh, so if you run this by not only believers, but false prophets and uh, that are under the direction of false uh, uh, that are under the direction of unclean spirits you test these individuals every spirit that confesses that jesus christ has come in the flesh is of god so if a person who is a, supposed to be a believer says that yes jesus christ came in the flesh that person is of god but every spirit that does not confess that jesus christ has come in the flesh is not of god which are the false prophets you put them to the test if they say that nah jesus did not come in in the flesh these individuals are not of god and that was the test that john told the people to use back then which doesn't apply to us now in terms of testing false prophets although you could use that test if an individual does say well jesus did not come in the flesh well they're not of god because jesus did come in the flesh so uh, if you want to use that for today it all depends on the individual that that comes up and says well jesus did not come in the flesh then you run that person by this test but now verse three and every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and now and is now already in the world. You are of God, little, ch little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So we've overcome these false prophets, these spirits these false prophets that are under the direction of demonic spirits. We've overcome them by the blood of the lamb, rather by the word of, of the living God that Paul, that, that uh, John gave us to test them. All right. So, uh, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are of the uh, they are of the world. Therefore, they speak as of the world and the world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. 
By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So can you see how verse six is actually working uh, uh, with verse three? Every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. So then if you go down in the verse six, it, it, uh, John says, uh, he who is not of God does not hear us. So that's how verse three and verse six work together. Verse five and verse six works together with verse three. But uh, but it also speaks, uh, uh, it also bears witness with verse five. They are of the world, therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. Again, verse six, we are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth. So what is the spirit of truth? That Jesus came in the flesh. What is the spirit of error? That Jesus did not come in the flesh. And so we are to avoid those that are of error and and, and gravitate and grasp the ones that are in, uh, that have the spirit of truth. So that's very important that we uh, further expound upon this scripture. So now thieves and thieves and robbers, they come in unnoticed and they come in with these doctrines uh, to destroy people that are that are usually are, are, are babes or intermediate with the scriptures, the fully matured and in uh, fully matured believers. They know the difference between true doctrine and false doctrine and will cut them to pieces instantly. So the false teachers and the false prophets and the false apostles are always after the ones that don't know the word of God, that don't know the scriptures in a mature way. So again, uh, verse four, for certain men have crept in unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. But I want to remind you, though, you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. Now, let me point something out here. The word uh, uh, that we should be looking out out, out here is uh, the uh, reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment day of the great day. So there were angels before Satan that were cast out of heaven and thrown straight into uh, what is called Tartarus, because there's a difference between uh, Hades and Tartarus. The word Tartarus is the abyss. And so it is the very bottom of, of, uh, of Hades, if you will, on the torment side. And so that's where these angels before Satan were cast into. And they are what? reserved in everlasting chains, which which only gives us a clear uh, a clear clue that these angels were were vicious angels. These angels were some of the fiercest angels ever. And, and, and they sinned against God and God had to cast them out of heaven, reserve them in chains uh, under darkness for the judgment of the great day. And so these angels prior to Satan, because uh, uh, at, at this point, uh, prior to Satan, these angels were very destructive. Now, some people will say, well, this it must be the Nephilim and, and the giants 
uh, that uh, the book of Genesis chapter six speaks of. We'll have we have yet to see the jury is out on that. So I don't want to rush to judgment about that at all. I don't want to say that it is or it isn't. But nonetheless, that these ain't these angels prior to Satan are the ones that are reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. We'll get to the point of why Jude uh, speaks of this in a little bit. Verse seven, as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in a similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Remember the story in the book of Genesis chapter 18 and 19 about Sodom and Gomorrah. This is what it's what it's speaking of. So then now verse eight says, likewise, also these dreamers defile the flesh, reject authority and speak evil of dignitaries. Yet Michael, the archangel in contending with the devil, when he disputed about the body of Moses, dare not bring against him a reviling accusation, but said the Lord rebuke you. But these speak evil of whatever they do not know and whatever they know naturally like Bruce brute beasts in these things they corrupt themselves now why did jude speak of this there's a reason why this because see there's a certain judgment that will happen there is a certain judgment so jude is reminding us of the past uh judgments one that has yet to be as far as the angels is, is concerned but as far as sodom and gomorrah is concerned that was a certain judgment that took place of, of these individuals that that went after strange flesh in terms of sexual immorality which is homosexuality so now verse 11 woe to them for they have gone in the way of cain have run greedily in the era of Balaam for profit and perished in the rebellion of Korah. In other words, whenever they did sin against God, they were judged. So these individuals that have crept in unnoticed, there's a certain fearful judgment that awaits them. And this is what we see in verse 12. Now, these are spots in your love feasts while they feast with you without fear, serving only themselves. And that's their that's their agenda. They are spots in your love feast. In other words, they sit there in your assemblies and they don't have any fear because they haven't been discovered. They haven't been judged. Nothing happened to them. And so they continue teaching false doctrine because they have this false sense of security. But there is a certain fearful judgment that awaits each and every one of them. So again, notice verse 12, serving only themselves. See, they're not serving anyone else, just like what we read in the book of John chapter 10. The thief comes not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy, to plunder and pillage the sheep and to take advantage of them. These, uh, rather, they are clouds without water. I mean, have you ever seen a, a cloud uh, come across and it looked like as if it was going to, going to rain and it never rained? That's what these false uh, apostles, false prophets, and false evangelists and false pastors are. These individuals are clouds without water, carried about by winds, late autumn trees without fruit, twice dead, pulled up by the roots. Twice dead meaning what? Meaning that the root is dead and the leaf that fell from them is dead. 
raging waves of the sea, foaming up their own shame, wandering stars for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. And so that's why we, we, we stress that don't be deceived by them. Don't take in everything. Beloved, John said, uh, test every spirit. Test them, put them to the test. Everything that you hear, put it to the test of the scriptures because just don't sit there and just say, amen, amen, amen. Test the scriptures. Test these false prophets and false individuals because they are thieves and robbers. So then verse 14 now, now Enoch, the seventh from Adam prophesied about these men also saying, behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment on all to to convict all who are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have committed in an ungodly way. And of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Now, this is the only passage of, of scripture that we'll see that was quoted from the book of Enoch. This passage of scripture is in there. I read it. I read it myself in the book of Enoch, but it was the only verse of scripture worth quoting. <laughs> so you got to be careful about the book of Enoch because uh, it does have uh, questionable things that we shouldn't uh, um uh, gravitate to or, or accept. We have to be very careful of those extra uh, non-canonical books and, and put them to the side. And, and if, if it's a part of history, okay, fine. We can, we can uh, read that with a grain of salt. But, but when it comes to the actual scriptures, we have uh, 66 books that are canonical and they agree with one another. And so we don't have a problem with that. All right. So verse 16 of these thieves and robbers that are apostate, uh, false prophets and teachers. These are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lusts, and they and they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. You know what it is to flatter somebody. I mean, you just want to get on their good side so you can get something from them, and that's and that's common. I, I did that to my pastor, and I regret it highly. I mean, he really he really saw what I was doing, and he really lit into, and I didn't I didn't I didn't receive it. I didn't accept it. It was just one of those moments where I should have known that he was rebuking me for trying to flatter him to to get on his good side, so that way I can preach in the pulpit all the time. Folks, don't flatter the pastor. It ain't working. The a mature pastor would see it a mile away and would reject you and that flattering. But these individuals, they do the same thing. They 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 mouth great swelling words to gain an advantage. They, in other words, it's called smoozing, if you will. And, and, and so you got to be very careful of the careful of these individuals because they're always looking to take advantage of you and to gain an ear edgewise. So they talk good to you. They talk nice to you. They talk pleasant to you. They flatter you. And and, it, it's, and, and you got to read it for what it is and don't fall for it. So so what are they going, going to do? What are these false prophets doing? What what are they doing? And they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. They they mouth great words to gain advantage. Now, look at the definition here is bulging over insolent, great swelling 
Overswollen, immoderate, extravagant. So when you look at overswollen, it's bigger than than normal. In other words, it's just like when when a man tries to flatter a, a woman with, with their dress. Well, your dress is looking good. Look, so so that's a way to to flatter. And all of a sudden, she's disarmed. And next thing you know, one thing leads to another. And that's why and that's why you have to be very careful of flattering words because it's designed to disarm you. So be very careful of that. So now in verse 17, but you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lust. These are sensual uh, persons who cause divisions, not having the spirit. So these individuals do not have the spirit of God. Their hope, their only hope is to disarm you so that way they can steal, kill, and to destroy you. Thieves will not inherit the kingdom of God. And this was an interesting passage of scripture. We all read this before, and we all seen this before in the book of First uh, Corinthians chapter 6, beginning at verse 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, just like the title of our message, right? Neither fornicators of last week, we're talking about thieves and robbers this week. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. So when I pulled up the definition of thieves, it was very powerful. So the definition of a thief is kleptus, which is where we get the word klepto from. And if you tie this into John chapter 10 and verse, then the thief comes not for, but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy the word steal is the word kleptus or klepto, which is where we get klepto from. So a stealer or a thief. But look at this definition here in number one, an embezzler, a pilferer. The name is transferred to false teachers who do not care to instruct men, but abuse their confidence for their own gain. And we see that with Mike, Mike Bickle down there in uh, IHOP in, um, uh, in Kansas City. We, we see that he was using his professional position to deceive and to, and to gain sexual favors, but not from one person. And not from two persons, but from three confirmed persons. One was 19. The other two was 14 and 15. They were underage. And so now we're dealing with an individual who has who, who is not a wanderer from his wife, but a sexual predator. This individual was grooming women to have sexual gains on them. And, and that's what we see happening here with IHOP. And you have a whole lot of people defending IHOP and defending uh, Mike Bickle that if, well, this happened 26 years ago. So what if, if he, if you repented now, if he repented now, then, then it's over with, uh, not so fast because that's only one person's side of the story. Oh, I repented. God forgave me. But then all of a sudden these individuals come out and, and, and revealed exactly what happened. And so we ought to take face value from the point that Mike Bickle repented from sin. And then all of a sudden these stories come out stories that were kept hidden. They were kept hidden, crept in unnoticed. They were kept hidden from the people and it only came out. Then all of a sudden this comes out folks. 
You can't buy the stuff that people put out on the TV and put out on on the Internet and things of that nature. You got to wait till the whole story comes out and play itself and then you can judge properly. Look, when you're dealing with false prophets and false teachers and whatnot, he's been doing this for years, keeping this under wraps for years. So nothing good comes out of an individual that keeps sexual immorality under wraps. And even if he did um, repent, still it is under wraps. And then all of a sudden now it's it's out there and exposed. But here's another thing. There was another individual, I forgot his name. Next week, hopefully I'll have the name of this individual, another thief and robber. This individual was a false prophet and he would uh, go to these go to this 24 seven prayer and then he would prophesy and things of that nature. But all of a sudden what shows up on the Internet uh, uh, in, within the last few years of this false prophet getting up on a, a TV the, the, the iPhone is it, it, it is it is like a camera waiting to tell on you so he gets up there and he takes a picture of himself in a bathrobe to lure uh, women to have sexual immorality with them but he gets up and he goes to have prayer 24 7 and prophesy 24 7 folks uh, now, again, I want to point out that is this is not to say that the whole group of people in there are wholly sexually immoral. That is not to say that that is to say that some individuals in there that went up there for legitimate reasons. But other individuals came in there to take advantage of women to have sexual favors done to gain advantage. So when I see when I saw this definition, I said, man, that fits the bill with Mike Bickle and 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 uh, I hop. A KC. And so in, in, in my humble opinion, the whole thing should shut down. The whole thing should shut down. Should just shut it down. And, and, and if you want to start something, start it fresh, start it new. But this time have all the safeguards as much as possible uh, established. So that way this kind of situation doesn't happen again. So, again, the name is transferred to false teachers who do not care to instruct men, but abuse their own confidence for their own gain. So these individuals, these are thieves, these false teachers, they're thieves. And we already confirmed it with the scriptures as far as John chapter 10 and, and, and uh, verse one, where all that ever came before me, Jesus said, were thieves and robbers. And, and, and so. Uh, thieves will not inherit the kingdom of God. Thieves, false teachers will not inherit the kingdom of God. That is if they continue on that path. Now, if a person legitimately repents of sin, excuse me, and legitimately comes to, to faith in Christ, look, as far as Mike Bickle is concerned, ministry is over. They're, no, no, you shouldn't touch it ever again but as but as far as being restored as a believer in the body of christ that's always possible because the bible tells us in the book of galatians chapter 6 that those that have fallen are to be restored but not restored to ministry it's speaking of but it's talking about being restored in christ as a believer in other words start all over start start fresh and new in terms of a, of a relationship with the lord jesus christ but as far as ministry is concerned not not don't, don't even bother. Don't even bother with that because you can't really be trusted. And, and so uh, you got to be very careful of these individuals. And so, again, I want to point out something that people are defending them. Folks, when it comes to sin, it is indefensible. 
We do not defend sin. We do not defend the cover-up. We do not defend deceptive actions brought by individuals so that we, we can go along to get along. We just don't do that because if we find ourselves on the side of sin, we are an enemy of God. And so uh, if, if you say, well, you're wrong, Pastor. Well, well, all right, so say that I'm wrong. But look, I don't want to touch the, that ministry or that individual with a 10-foot pole. As far as restoration to Christ is concerned, no problem. But ministry, nah, and call it, call it a day with that. And so if you're the type of individual that says, well, we should give them the benefit of the doubt, be very careful with that. Because when it came to the sexual immorality in the book of uh, Numbers uh, between chapters 19 and uh, 25, when the children of Moab came in and brought sexual immorality because of Balaam, Balaam uh, brought sexual immorality. It's called the doctrine of Balaam in the book of Revelation uh, chapters two and three. It is called the doctrine of Balaam. When you bring sexual immorality in, uh, a G, the, the Lord told Moses, the leaders, every last one of them, hang them, hang them. You can't side in with sin because if you do, you're going to be on the wrong side. And fine has had had enough because Zimri and Cosby went by the tabernacle went by Moses, walked by fine has, and, and, and he said, that's it. He picked up a javelin and thrust them through. And, and, and so the, the plague stopped. And, and then God says, fine has did me right. In other words, just, you know, ad, ad libbing if you allow me, fine has did me right. And from, from now on, each generation of him will, will survive. We'll go on and on and on and on. And so you got to be very careful. You either are on the side of God or you're not. You're either on the side of God or you're not. And if you're on the side of God, you got to call a spade a spade. You're trying you're trying to smooth things over and whatnot. No, call a spade a spade. Be gracious. No question about that. Be in love towards one another like that. Don't be in hatred about it. But you got to call a spade a spade. You got to call it what it is and not hee haw around it. Because you see, that's what they did in the garden, which is, is what we explained last week. That's what Adam and Eve in the garden, they wanted to smooth it over. They wanted to hide. It was the first cover up. They wanted to cover up their sin and hide it and smooth it over as if there was no big deal. Yeah, I ate. I ate the arrogance and the pride of, of Adam and Eve instead of saying, Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me of the sin that I've, I've done against you. No, no contrition. And so judgment was brought upon them because of the fact that they sinned against God. And so be very careful about this. Yes, we ought to be gracious to the body of Christ. And, and, and Paul even said this in the book of First Corinthians, chapter 10, verses 12 and 13. He says that, that we ought to take heed uh, 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 that, 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 that uh, we ought to take heed lest we fall into temptation. For there is no temptation such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above that which you are able, but will with the temptation also make Make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Paul also told us in the book of Galatians that we are to restore such a one and be careful lest we fall. So, yes, in that uh, sense, we ought to be very careful. But in terms of calling a spade a spade, we have no choice because we need to side in with the word of God at all times. So thieves will not inherit the kingdom of God, which means that false teachers and false preachers and false pastors and false apostles, they will not inherit 
the kingdom of God. So we read out of 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9, and we already read the definition, which you should understand. The thief takes from you and get you and and you get nothing in return. That's something that you understand. When the thief takes from you, he's taking it and you ain't getting it back unless the police catch him. And unless, of course, you have a, a change of heart and gives it back to you, which is very rare. But the thief takes from you and you get nothing in return. Same thing with false prophets, false apostles, false pastors, and false teachers. These individuals will take from you and you get nothing in return. But great swelling words to deceive you and to flatter you. So here in in 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 1, beginning there, and we've read this before, but it's good to read it again. But there were also false prophets among the people. Again, what we read in the book of Jude, where they will creep in unnoticed. Even as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies. The thief comes not before to steal and to kill and to destroy. Who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them and bring on themselves swift destruction? And many will follow their destructive ways because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. In other words, the gospel will be mocked, ridiculed and scoffed at and blasphemed by covetousness. They will exploit you. In other words, they will take advantage of you with deceptive words, deceptive words or flattering words. For a long time, their judgment has not been idle and their destruction does not slumber. So they prefer they pervert the gospel for a personal gain here in the book of Galatians, chapter one and verse six. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in this grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another. So there's only one gospel. There isn't another gospel or a different gospel. There's only one gospel, and that is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Whenever you have to add uh, something to it or put something in front of it and say gospel, it's another gospel. Healing gospel, prosperity gospel, or the gospel of prosperity. No, 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 no. We don't teach that. We don't live that. We don't do that. It is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is summed up in the book of first Corinthians chapter 15 verses three and four, that the Lord Jesus Christ died for our sins. According to the scriptures, he was buried and rose again the third day. According to the scriptures, that's the gospel. That's the gospel. Anything else is another gospel, which is not another gospel and, and or a different gospel. It's not. There's only one gospel, and that is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Does healing is healing uh, preached uh, or taught in the scriptures? Yes. Is he is a uh, prosperity taught in the scriptures? Yes, it is. But that's not the gospel. That's not the gospel. The gospel is that Christ died for our sins, was buried and rose again the third day. That's the gospel. Verse seven, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you who want and want to pervert or change or here's the definition, turn across or corrupt, turn across or corrupt the gospel. And that's what certain individuals want to do. Uh, but even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you, other uh, to you than what we have preached to you, let him be a curse, me included, 
And everybody in here, everybody that's watching, you call yourself a preacher, I dare you to say that verse of scripture for yourself too. I dare you to do it. You better start, you better start seeing what Paul is saying here and, and, and line up with the, what the scripture says. Paul said this, so if it was good enough for Paul, it's good enough for me. If it's good enough for me, it's good enough for everyone who claims to be a preacher. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you, then what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. The word accursed is anathema. Uh, and, and, and so doomed. So you see the definition up here, anathema, very, very powerful word. It, it, it means doomed. These individuals are doomed. If you preach another gospel, if you preach another gospel, you're doomed. If all you talk about is a healing gospel, you're doomed. If all you talk about is a prosperity gospel, you're doomed, doomed, you're finished. And so you have to be very careful to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ as is and not add anything to it. Remember what it says in the book of Proverbs chapter 30 and verse six, do not add to his words lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. Verse nine, Paul said it again, as we have said before. So now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you, then what you have received, let him be accursed or doomed let him be doomed so here we see paul is going to talk about the simplicity of the gospel and here in first uh second corinthians chapter 11 and verse 1 oh that you would bear with me a little folly and indeed you do bear with me for i am jealous for you with godly jealousy for i have betrothed you to one husband that uh, i may present you as a chaste virgin uh, to christ but I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. What is the simplicity of the gospel? The simplicity of the gospel is simply that Christ died uh, for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Simple simple it is not difficult so just as eve was was deceived so paul is saying so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in christ for he who preaches another jesus which is of course that other gospel that we saw in the book of galatians chapter one for if he who comes preaches another jesus whom we have not preached or if you received a different spirit with which you have not received. So now it's, it's interesting that, that Paul says this, a different spirit. So that ties in with 1 John chapter 4. Beloved, do not believe every spirit which you have not received or a different gospel which you have not accepted. You may well put up with it. In, in other words, Paul was talking about talking to these people that they, these people are so deceived somebody. He said that somebody would come in and tell you another gospel. You would well put up with it because you're not mature enough to distinguish between the spirit of truth and the spirit of error to know the difference between the true gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and the false gospel. And that's what thieves and robbers do all the time. So we got to remember to stick with the simplicity of the gospel. Finally, in the book of second, uh, not finally, I don't want to end it there because there's another scripture that I want to use because it's very important that I tie these two verses of scripture in. Here in the book of uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, look at verse 17. For we are not as so many 
peddling the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as from God, we speak in the sight of God in Christ. But look at the word peddling the word of God. You know what a peddler is, an individual that adulterates. Hear the definition, see the definition here, to retail, a huckster. In other words, he's trying to sell you something that perhaps he he's trying to sh- uh, sell it to you as a legitimate product, but it is a cheap product that broke the first time that you used it. So, so that's why we tell you that when you're hearing false doctrine and false teachers put it to the, to the test, because if they say that it works the first time, the first time that you should use it, it should work and it should work subsequently. In other words, 100% of the time, every single time that when you turn it on, it works. When you turn it on, it works. When you use that word that they're telling you to use, it works. It works. It works. It doesn't fail. It works every single time. And that's how you test them. But remember what it says in the book of First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 21 and 22. It says, test all things, hold fast to that which is good, abstain from the appearance of evil or abstain from evil things. And, and so uh, uh, hucksters are thieves and robbers. They're, they're there to sell you something that they say work, but it doesn't work. And what did you get out of it? They got your money, but you got nothing. They got your money, but you got nothing. So a, a huckster or a peddler is to be a retailer, to peddle, to make money by selling anything, to get sorted gain by dealing in anything, to do a thing for base gain, to trade in the word of God, to try to get base gain by teaching divine truth, to corrupt, to adulterate. Peddlers were in the habit of adulterating their commodities for the sake of gain. So what is the gain? They got your money, but you got nothing. So here in the book of Acts chapter four, we're going to show you an example of a peddler here in the book of Acts chapter four, uh, chapter eight and verse four. Therefore, there were those uh, therefore, those who were rather scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitude with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. But there was a certain now something legitimate happened. Now, remember the pattern that we shared last week. The pattern is the truth comes and then comes the deception. That's always the pattern. But here we see a difference in terms of the pattern that this sorcerer Simon was operating before Philip came. So uh, but but nonetheless, the truth always come. And the pattern is the truth comes and then deception comes. So now what happens? There was great joy in that city. In other words, what Philip got, what Philip gave was legitimate. Something happened legitimately. Verse eight now. But there was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery in the city. The word sorcery here is the word to practice magic. In other words, illusion. He was doing an illusion and everybody was mesmerized by this illusion. And so to be a magician, to practice magical arts. 
And so that's what sorcerers do. They, and so that's why you see in the book of Revelation chapter 22 and, and uh, verse 15 that, though, that sorcerers will be placed in outer darkness, those who practice sorcery. So Simon, who previously practiced sorcery in the city, astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying this man is the great power of God. In other words, the illusion worked in such a way that they all say he's the power of God. And they heeded him because he has astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. So he was doing magical arts, as we see the definition here, magical arts for a long time. But when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself also believed. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed, amazed seeing the miracles and signs which were done because these signs and miracles that were, were done were legitimate signs and miracles that Simon was unable to do, but by only by way of illusion. Now, verse 14 says, Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy, they received the Holy Spirit. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money. See, he was still in that frame of mind that if, uh, if I can get this gift, then I can do what they do. And then he would turn around and sell this gift of laying hands on people to receive the Holy, Holy Spirit for money. So guess what happened? Verse 19 saying, give me this power also that anyone on whom I lay hands on uh, lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, your money perishes with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You see, he still is a huckster. He still was a peddler, so he thought that he can steal the gift of God, the legitimate gift of God, and peddle it so that way he can get more money. But Peter said to him, your money perish with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You have neither part nor portion in this matter, for your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this your wickedness and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness. What, bit, what, what bitterness? He was bitter of Peter and John performing the, the gifts of the Spirit legitimately, and he could not do it himself. And so he, he got bitter about it. And that's what people do sometimes. They get bitter that people are gravitating to something legit, and then all of a sudden they walk away from you and you're left by yourself. So he, so he is poisoned by bitterness, and guess what? He was also bound by iniquity. Then Simon answered and said, Pray to the Lord for me that none of the things which you have spoken may come upon me. So what are the things that uh, were come upon Simon? Well, you have to go back up a bit and look at verse 20. Your money perishes with you. In other words, you're going to die and go to hell. He wasn't legitimately saved. He didn't know the Lord. He was a huckster. In other words, he was a thief 
and a robber. And that's what we're talking about here. These individuals that are stealing from people are nothing but thieves and robbers. And we see this as a clear example of individuals operating today doing the same thing. Folks, whenever individuals are trying to cover up a sexual immorality of a pastor and, and they're trying to cover it up, there's only one reason why. They're going to get rid of that pastor that committed adultery and fornication and, and homosexuality and tried to cover up. They're going to get rid of him and it'll show as a legitimate act. But these individuals are not serious. Why? Because it's a whole lot of money traveling through certain places and they don't want to see the place where they're receiving a whole lot of money evaporating and, and go poof into nothing. No, they want to try to save that and continue in false doctrine and false teaching and not really bring the people and the individuals responsible to come clean about everything and lay it all on the table to bear for everyone to see so that way something good can happen and come out of it and so we have to pray for these individuals we do have to witness to them we do have to share the word of god to them but these are the thieves and the robbers that are operating in the church remember that word that paul said in first timothy chapter 4 and verse 1 where he says that the spirit expressly says that in the latter times some will depart from the faith giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrine of demons speaking lies and hypocrisy having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. These individuals are designed to give you as thieves and robbers doctrines of devils and seducing spirits. Be careful of thieves and robbers. You've been listening to Prevalentwood Ministries on the Prevalentwood Podcast channel. We're on Apple Podcast, Amazon Music, YouTube Music, YouTube Podcast, Spotify, and Spreaker please visit our website at prevailingwithministries.net. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm Fred Rochester. Thanks for listening.